Father in heaven, we often recite the familiar words of John 3.16 that state that you love this world so much that you gave your one and only son. And this morning we celebrate all of what that means. You gave him to us as a witness to draw your people back to your truth. He gave himself for us as a sacrifice, leaving heaven to come to this earth on a rescue mission. He drew us out of the darkness of sin and opened a road that leads into light, bridging the gap between what you created us to be and the reality of our sinful selves. He endured the cross that we might be called your children. Lord, may we not take that for granted. May we live in gratitude for the grace of Easter Sunday, thankful and obedient, always ready to express the reason for the hope that we have in you. In this unearned hope that we have, may we live our lives with purpose, ready to go where you call us, ready to do what you tell us, and to share the good news with all of those you place alongside us. May our families live for you as we instruct our children, and may our witness to the next generation thrive in our churches as we speak into the lives of the covenant children in our congregations. May we not tire of showing the way. In our schools and workplaces, may the light in us be clear. May, the work with, may we work with all our hearts to glorify you, bearing good witness to our peers in word and in action. In the places where we live, give us opportunities to reflect your love, to speak your truth, to tell the story of our faith. Bring new life to us and others as only you can. We need your resurrection power in our lives, Lord, to heal our brokenness physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. Hold close to you those in our faith community who are experiencing sickness, loneliness, loss, uncertainty, fear, and desperation. As we witness deteriorating bodies stricken with cancer, say goodbye to loved ones, anticipate surgeries and treatments, feel unsettled about our future, or question the direction of our churches and our country, may we lean into you. May we seek you and follow you. May we call upon your name in low moments and shout your name in our victories. May we live in hope and love and not in fear. May we live in the light of the Easter story where darkness is conquered and the light reigns. We are beloved, chosen, adopted, called, redeemed, and restored. May you find us ready. Lord, may your name be glorified. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. And may we boldly live for you and through you, living into our Easter every day. Amen. Our scripture this morning is all of John chapter 20. We will read through these verses together. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, 
But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that she had and she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God, then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. So in John chapter 20, 
we hear a number of accounts of these early witnesses to the resurrection. And I'm interested in the various experiences and the different reactions to what they see and hear. We hear of a disciple that rushes into the tomb. He finds the stone rolled away. It had been sealed previously. Now it is open, and he walks in, and he sees the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus, and he believes. And then we have Mary, who's not quite sure what to think. She's crying when two angels and Jesus himself appear to her. And she doesn't recognize who she is speaking to until he calls her out by name. And she recognizes his voice. And then he goes on and he appears to these other disciples. And he gives them power in the Holy Spirit. And he gives them a mandate. He gives them a clear call to action. He said, the Father sent me to you. And now I am sending you. And then we have Thomas. He's missing from that group, and despite the fact that 10 of his closest friends have just professed to the same thing, that they have seen Jesus, he wants more proof. And when he gets it, more proof, he believes. And that's when we hear Jesus say, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Those whose trust and their faith fill in those gaps between what they know from personal experience and what they have heard from others, and gives them that hope that they live for. And in various accounts outside of this chapter, we have big responses to the resurrection. People running to go find those that they know and tell them about what they have seen and heard. Some of them travel to brand new cities and share the good news with brand new groups of people long considered by the people of faith in God to be outsiders. And Jesus himself, before his death and resurrection, went to the outsiders too. He visited that Samaritan woman at the well, and she had that encounter with Jesus, and she ran and told everybody. She went and told her family, and she told everyone in the town that would listen to her. So as you hear these varieties of responses, maybe you can relate to some of these people to the reactions, and to the details. Maybe at one point in your life you were quick to believe. You heard the message. You heard about Jesus, and you were in. Maybe it was a longer road. Maybe still today you struggle with doubt. Maybe you've been blessed with some manner of clear evidence in your life where you see and you believe. And we are all called, as the disciples were, to go. The Father sent Jesus to us, and now we are to carry that torch for him. To declare, as John does at the end of chapter 20, that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. He is the Savior, and he is the answer to the brokenness in our world. Believe in him, we should be telling others, and have life in his name. So we are all called today to be witnesses. Today on Easter Sunday and tomorrow and every day that he blesses us with in this life until he calls us home. We're called to respond. We are called to share and to tell the story that we are remembering today. That there is light in the darkness and there is life in his name. 
We need to recognize our need for a Savior today and see that he came into this world, into our lives, and gave himself up for us, that he conquered sin and death and lives now that we might truly live. And we consider Mary and the disciples. They're mourning the end, so they thought, of Jesus' life and his ministry. We read and we heard that some of them were confused. They were so excited to be with him during the time that he was there and following his ministry and hearing the things that he said. And then there's confusion because all of a sudden it's over. They and many others were witnesses to his death and it was a brutal ending on the cross. Pastor John asked us a few weeks ago, how many people do you know who have been raised from the dead? And people don't just come back to life unless Jesus is involved. And we hear that in the miracles that he performed. We hear several accounts in the Gospels where his divinity was on full display. And whether others accepted those miracles or they doubted them, he clearly suffered and clearly died on Good Friday at the hands of those Roman soldiers. They were professional executioners. And Jesus' final hours were very painful in a way that we will never understand. And they were very final. And Jesus experienced physical hell and separation from God. And he dies, and then he returns. He appears to the disciples and to Mary on the third day, just like he told him he was going to do. So if you're Mary on that morning, or you're the disciples, what is your reaction in that moment? How fast would you run? Who would you go and tell? How many would you tell? And when would you feel like you had reached enough with that message and stopped telling that story? How could you not tell everyone that you bumped into or seek out anyone who would listen to that story? 2,000 years later, that story is no less incredible than it was on Easter morning. Unfortunately, it becomes all too common for many of us, the cross and the resurrection, even the profound teachings of Jesus. We've heard them too many times, and that familiarity robs us from the incredible message and the meaning behind it. So a question to you this morning, where does this story rank on your list of the greatest things you have ever heard? The thing that you can't stop thinking about and stop talking about. The thing in your life that impacts you more than anything else. And does your willingness to share that story reflect that? Have you seen the Lord at work? Do you believe in the resurrection? And is there still life today in his name? Because Jesus says, I'm sending you. I've taught you. I've shown you what to do. Go and make disciples. Tell the world that there is still life in my name. Because we are a people that like to break news, and we like to share exciting things, don't we? We discover the next big thing, or we hear about a major happening, and we can't wait to share it with our friends. Some of those things remain important for a very short life cycle, and others may be moments that you remember for much, much longer. Some are very memorable, but how many of them are eternally significant? In 2005, 
20 years before he would become the all-time leading scorer in NBA history, a big shoe company invested in someone who would later be called the king, and they proclaimed, we are all witnesses. What a time to be alive. We had a front row seat to greatness in the making, and maybe the best player we would ever see. And then over the last few weeks, the basketball world was buzzing again. This time there was a young woman that was tearing up the NCAA tournament. She was scoring 40 points at a time, dropping triple doubles on the opponent. She was taking down the defending champion who hadn't lost in 42 games. And every time she was on TV, more people watched. And every time she would travel to a new gym, people would flock to see her. And all of this fueled conversations that one day she might be recognized as the greatest women's basketball player of all time. And I was surprised, not at the attention that she got, but at the people I would never expect to have any interest in this that were talking to her or talking about her with me. People were riveted. People were turning in to see what was happening and absorbing all of this in amazement. Because we become witnesses to those things that get us excited or to excellence. And we can't stop talking about what we see and hear. And we do that about great players and great teams and great music and blockbuster movies and binge-worthy television shows and the funnest new thing that you can put on your phone or this podcast or this product. And we tell people and tell people and tell people. We recognize that something is exciting something that meets your needs or might meet the needs of someone else or might speak to the human condition. And you don't just absorb that and keep it to yourself. You invite everyone in to that experience. You don't want anyone to miss out. And we are witnesses to the greatest and the biggest you need this in your life information in the history of our world. And as you gather today to celebrate that, don't hide that message the rest of the year. Let today be your annual reminder that something truly amazing and life-altering that begs to be shared has happened. If years in the faith have faded your enthusiasm or the busyness of your life has pushed Jesus from the center to the outside, hit the reset button today. And walk out of here with renewed enthusiasm for this good news. A renewed commitment to live as a witness. A story that continues through all generations and one that we are called to share. Not just to hear, but to share. We are participants now in this story. And our children are listening. And our neighbors are listening. And our peers are listening. And what are we telling them? We are witnesses to what means the most to us. And it shows up in how we spend our time. And it shows up in what we do and what we talk about. So are we testifying to the truth? A witness sees something amazing and important and shares what they've seen. There is a responsibility as a witness to respond. And in Mark 16, verse 15, the risen Jesus appears to his disciples and he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. 
respond, drive out the darkness, bring healing to the sick, and preach everywhere. Luke 24, 48, the Messiah lives and did all that was prophesied that he would do. And we need to repent and we need to receive forgiveness for our sins. It says, you are witnesses to these things. Again, preaching his name to all of the nations. At the beginning of the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 2, it talks about the credible eyewitnesses, the people whose accounts fed into these stories that we now have today. They were investigated, and the claims were looked at carefully, and those who saw and believed and experienced that became servants to this word. They were handing down the story and giving accounts to truth, something of significance that was given to them, and they passed it along to the next generation of believers. Jesus even appeared to his enemies, and he turned them into evangelists. Acts 26, verse 16, he knocked Saul to his knees, and then he says, get up, now you're going to serve me. Bear witness not only to the things which you have seen, but also the things in which I will appear to you. Recognize who I am, watch me work in your life, and then go tell others about it. So what have you seen? And what have you heard? And who are you telling? And if you're feeling ill-equipped, you're not the preaching or the proclaiming type, I've got good news for you. The Holy Spirit is yours. He promised you that. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And if that's not your geography, those are big cities. Those are cities full of the chosen people, the believers, and the places where your enemies reside, to the ends of the earth. Inside and out, we are called to be witnesses. And on the inside, within this church, or your home church, you are called to bear witness to your faith, to share your experiences with others, to tell your peers and other generations how you see God working in your life and how he is alive and active in your world. Build each other up, let others do the same for you, and equip each other with the confidence that you need and the encouragement that you need to live into that story and to share it amongst yourselves and with those outside of the church. Because when you have the light, you do not hide it. You do not cover it up. You need to light up that room. You need to shine it in here, and you need to shine it out there. Because when there's darkness, people are drawn to the light. Now, each generation sees darkness in a different way in their world. They see it in different ways and in different places. And each sees the trouble that is around them, and those that they know need the light. People who are seeking to fill the holes in their lives and the hurts in their lives with the wrong things. So how do we connect this to them? I went to the movies last week with the high school students. We saw the Jesus Revolution. And I won't spoil anything that you can't see or discern from the trailer. Some of you know this story from way back when. But it's the 70s. And Christians are dismayed because the world is falling apart. And that could be any decade, yes? 
and that could be today. In the midst of this troubling behavior that they are seeing, there are questions. Who belongs? How active or passive should we be in reaching out to those that we know need to hear what we have to say? Questions about what to do when the ones that we don't understand show up on our doorstep and enter into our lives and whether they should be allowed in our churches. I was reading the other day Matthew chapter 7 and I was reflecting on my viewing experience here. And in the beginning verses of Matthew chapter 7, there's a warning about the judgment that we pass on other people. And following that segment of scripture, the next one says that Jesus tells us to knock and the door will be open. And as I reflected on those two things, I started to ask some questions of myself. Is my witness active or passive? I'm really good at talking about Jesus and my faith when I'm in here and when I'm doing what I am called to do. How well do I do it out there? Maybe the same is true for you. We can talk about Jesus' love and we can celebrate that and all the things that he has done in our life, but what happens when we go into our normal workspaces and places that we occupy during the rest of the week? One of my favorite verses is 1 Peter 3.15. I am prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks me to share with them the reason for the hope that I have. And I started to wrestle with that in recent years because that feels like I'm ready to tell if you're coming and you're asking. But how well do I do at going out there and sharing that word? When my oldest son was born, I went back to work. I told everyone I was a dad. Strangers in elevators. I probably had a reputation around the office at some point. I still love them, but I don't announce that every time I walk in the room, right? Hey, I'm a dad, right? It's been a while. Doesn't mean I'm any less excited about that. But am I active about telling people the things that are important to me or passive about it? Some of the things that we saw earlier in terms of entertainment or things that are fleeting and on an eternal scale not that important, are we quick to rush into sharing those things with people but not the heart of our faith? Second question I ask myself, do I determine in advance who I feel would be receptive to that story because we do that don't we you feel a nudge maybe I should talk to that person and then you scale back maybe now is not the time you feel the Holy Spirit that is nudging and then you push it away one morning I dropped some books off at the library uh, and they were not open for me to receive my my next round so there's a, a path around the pond there by the library and I decided to go for a walk and as I came around the corner, in the parking lot of the community center was a minivan. And it had way too many things in there. I'm like, is somebody, somebody living in that van? Maybe I should knock on the window and, and see if they need any help. So I said, well, if the spirit, if, if I can see someone when I come back around, then I'm going to stop. But if I don't, I'll keep going, right? Looking for a sign. I came around and there were two cats sitting on the dashboard. Like, those are not people. I'm here to witness to people, right? So I took another lap, and I'm like, if I see somebody the next time, I'm going to stop. I came around, and the next time around, there was a woman sitting in the seat. I'm like, there she is. Okay, if she's outside of the car the next time I come around, then I'm going to talk to her. 
And I came back around the final time, and the van was gone. Clearly, God was telling me that I didn't have to, to speak to her, right? Or did I miss it the first time, the second time, the third time? Do we make excuses as to why not to share? Why not to bring that up in conversation? Another question I ask myself, do I recognize that the effort someone might make to fill their brokenness with something else, something destructive perhaps, shows that they're really looking for what we have and just filling it with the wrong things? And do I judge the choices that they make? and look at them in a certain way, or do I bring the truth to them? And finally, after reading Matthew chapter 7, is there anyone who knocks that should find the door closed to them? Because Jesus says, come all who are weary and burdened. Come and find rest. Believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth that he is your Lord and Easter is yours. How will you, how will we collectively reach more people with the opportunity to make that claim before Easter comes again? And not just next year, because Easter is every day. And Easter is an everyone message. So take that with you this morning. I pray that you would have renewed energy as you reflect on this story and a renewed commitment, as Mary did, as disciples did, to go out and share the truth that Jesus is risen and our God reigns. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the gift of salvation given through the obedience and sacrifice of your son. A gift for those who, despite their sin, acknowledge their need for everything that Good Friday and Easter mean our need for a Savior, and our recognition of Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives. Fill us with your Spirit to serve as witnesses in our fallen world, beacons of light, sharing hope in the darkness, pointing others to your truth and speaking to them in your love. As we celebrate the resurrection, may we be compelled each day to live in such a way that you are glorified, anxious to share the hope that we have with the world, with the lost in our lives, and those who already belong to you. May we be your light. May we be your witnesses. Amen.